hey, hey. Happy New Year's, y'all. New Year's Eve, anyway. Um, yeah, it's the, the, the very last show of 2019. The last homesteads and homeschools of the decade. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, guys, um, it's episode 49, which means you can find the show notes at homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash 049. My guest today uh, is a pretty avid homesteader. Um, he does a lot on, on his place. I know it would make a very interesting conversation to talk to him about his homestead. Um, he's got a lot going on there, as you can, as you will see in the show, um, as you will hear in the show. But um, that conversation wasn't, wasn't the conversation we had. No, it was not. My guest, Mr. Texas Joe, you can find him on the uh, Insurgency Knitting Circle podcast, which I do recommend. Um, you can find him over there giving, giving advice and, and talking and just really a mix of uh, self-reliant skills that, that are necessary um, to life. Anyway, Texas Joe came on today to talk about firearms. He's, uh, he knows a lot about firearms. He's, he's a state licensed trainer and he, he trains people for their, um, their state tests. And, uh, he works in the, the private security business, um, as a, as a side hustle. I mean, he's always, always working. So, I um, mean, he knows a, a fair bit and I had him on today just kind of to broach that subject, open it up and, uh, have a little bit of a, a conversation about the different, different types of firearms, different things to consider. I know pistols weren't something that I was really accustomed to until in my thirties. And even now I'm, I'm not as comfortable as I probably should be around them. But uh, for some people that, um, just didn't grow up around guns, you know, it, it's a interesting conversation to be had and one that should be had, especially when you're kind of out there a little bit more and maybe, you know, it's going to take the police, uh, 15, 20 minutes to, to get to you. And, uh, and you don't have 15, 20 minutes sometimes. And when you're out there running the, the fence line, making sure everything is all set, you know, there's, there's going to be snakes. There's going to be coyotes. There's going to be varmints stuck that, uh, you know, you need to take care of, you need to dispatch. And, um, it's a whole lot easier to to carry around something on your waist than to lug around a, a big old 22 when uh, you may not need to. But anyway, we will get into all of that. So let's go do that right now. Let's go plant those liberty seeds with Mr. Texas. It was Joe. early in the morning when he rode into the town. He came riding from the south side, slowly looking all around. He's an outlaw loose and running, came the whisper from each lip And he's here to do some business with a big iron on his hip Big iron on his hip In this town there lived an outlaw by the name of Texas Red Alright, so my guest today is Mr. Texas Joe who is in Texas doing a little bit of, not a little bit of, but uh, quite a bit of homesteading. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit, but um, you can find him over on the Insurgency Knitting Circle podcast, um, which is lots of great, great stuff over there. Um, yeah, so he's been involved in the sort of the private security, um, does lots of, uh, you know, gun licensing training, and that is kind of why he's here today to talk to us a little bit about all the, the things that go into firearms and, and what that's all about and 
why we should care. So Joe, thank you for coming on. I, I appreciate it. Um, and I know it's a, it's a busy time of year, so glad we could catch up. Hey, no problem, buddy. Glad to be here. All right. So, um, let's talk about your, your homestead real quick. You, you're in Texas. Um, are you guys, how much, how, how big is your setup? Do you guys do everything like kind of yourself or do you picking up yes. stuff at the store still or how much you got going on at home? So our spread is just shy of 10 and a half acres and it is a lot of work. We have several different types of animals here. Uh, we have somewhere close to about a hundred mouths to feed or, you know, a hundred mouths that aren't human that depend on us. So we have, um, we have horses, we have, uh, somewhere between a hundred and 150,000 bees. Uh, we have ducks, we have chickens, and I actually have probably 20 or 30 birds producing right now out in the, the run and the, um, the coop. And then I've got another 24, 28 eggs that are currently hatching. I've got seven babies hatched as of uh, while we're speaking right now. Good. Yeah. Do you, do you hatch them out to, to be layers or are you hatching out meat birds or what do you, uh, we hatch them out to be layers cause, uh, that's just, you know, that, that gives us a return on the investment and helps offset the cost of feed. Um, and the last thing that we have here on the property was our newest addition, uh, is our goats. So we have five pygmy goats. Okay. So, and what are you guys going to do with them? Is they just, they just keeping the grass down? Or are you going to put them on the table at some point or at some point they will graduate to the table? Um, right now my, my wife really wanted them. And so that's kind of, you know, their, I guess their intent is to be bilkers, but once they run their lifespan, they'll be, you know, they'll probably go into the freezer. I hear you. I hear you. We, we have a couple goats ourselves that we, we started out with meat goats and, um, yeah, they're bottle babies and they're not really meat goats. They're kind of keeping the grass down, but I think we're going to get some, uh, some milk goats here for, for Christmas. So um, should be, should be good, but, uh, all right. So one of the things on, on the, the homestead, I guess a lot of people, you know, you either you're out there hunting or you're out there kind of, I don't know, places where you don't have access to, uh, to other people whenever you, you want or to, uh, help if you need it or whatever. So I think, you know, I grew up around guns, um, mostly for, for hunting, mostly rifles. That was really all I was accustomed to. So what, what exactly do you do then? I guess with, with your firearms, how did, how does that wrapped into your life? Okay. So, um, one of my big side hustles, and this is one of the things we talk about a bunch on IKC is side hustles. Um, one of my biggest side hustles is being a firearm instructor and I am not a, you know, I'm not prior military. I'm not law enforcement, anything like that. I am just a regular guy and I specialize in novice shooters. So, you know, that can be men, women, children. Uh, I specialize in novice shooters. So getting them exposed to the sport, um, teaching them, you know, firearm safety, basic marksmanship, stuff like that. So I teach those things for pistol, revolver, shotgun, and rifle. And that can be, you know, modern rifle, like, you know, sporting rifle, like an AR-15 or something, you know, like a Ruger 1022. Okay. All right. That's a, quite the, uh, it's nice that I guess kind of breaking the, the young, young guys there. What do you typically suggest people start with? I mean, do you, 
most of your people come to you and, and want to learn, um, you know, how to shoot a pistol before anything else. So they come, they have some background with, with rifles or how does that, does that work at all? Or, you know, it's, it, it runs the gambit. Um, I actually just had a client, uh, came to me probably three or four months ago, uh, wanted to get ready to take her qualification. Um, she just graduated the academy and is now a prison guard, but she qualified on a 357 revolver, a AR 15 rifle, and a Remington 12 gauge pump action shotgun. So she came to me and said, Hey, I need to learn these three. Um, normally for the most part, most of my people who come to me are for pistol. And then we start on pistol. We, you know, get comfortable with that, get comfortable with marksmanship, handling, safe handling, stuff like that. And then we move on to things like rifle and, you know, shotgun and even, you know, scoped rifle, something with glass on it. Um, because the, I guess the pistol is pretty much the go-to for most people. So we, we start there. Is that something you think you would, uh, recommend in general? Does it make a difference kind of where you get started? You know, is it, is it if you have, if you're coming into it with, with zero knowledge of, of firearms, of guns, you haven't been around them. Um, is that where you would suggest people kind of come in at? Actually, no, I would probably suggest that somebody start out with, you know, a rifle like a 1022 or something like that, because you have a lot more gun to hold on to. Um, it's a lot easier to, you know, align sights, get sight picture, you know, understand, you know, bullet drop and, you know, ballistics. That's even going way outside of, you know, the realm where I normally work with people. But, you know, getting, um, you know, sight alignment and height over bore, you know, trying to explain to somebody, hey, if you put your sights you know, together and you put them on the center of that target, that bullet is not going to go where you think it's going to go, you know, stuff like that. So getting them exposed to the bang of a gun, um, getting them exposed to trigger control and, and breathing control and stuff like that. So I've, I think that starting out on, you know, a small rifle like a Ruger 1022 and then advancing up to something larger is um, probably the best way to go. And a lot of people, if they start out on pistol and move to rifle, they realize that they like rifle a lot more than they like pistol. So both of my girls, my wife, my daughter, um, they're both rifle girls. And so they'll tolerate the pistol. They like, you know, spending time with me on the range shooting pistols and stuff, but they're most comfortable and at home with a rifle, you know, like a buttstock to their shoulder. Nice. That's, it's funny. Cause that's, um, it, that's, I grew up, uh, you know, I learned when I'm 22 and, um, you know, I shot a, a shotgun when I was probably too young to be, be shooting at a 12 gauge. It was, it had some high brass in there and, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was quite the experience, but you know, and it, like you said, you know, there's a lot more gun to hang on to. And I know where the point of that gun is, you know, I, I know where I'm pointing it. I know where it is. And that was one of the things when I first got into pistols was always kind of still leaves me a little, just, I, I guess I have to get more comfortable with it, but, um, knowing where things are pointed, knowing where things are is, is a little bit easier, I think with a, with a rifle. But. I just, I think that rifle is a little bit more forgiving, um, especially when you're starting out and trying to hit a target, you know, people are off and they, you know, they get down on themselves or they feel bad. They're like, well, you know, I missed that completely. Well, with, with rifle, you know, and even lower caliber shotguns, um, I think that they're a little bit more forgiving and they're a little bit more forgiving for a novice. Uh, where with a pistol, everything from grip 
to the placement of your finger on the trigger and, you know, how you, you know, press versus squeeze the trigger. And, you know, people want to constantly move their, their hand position if they're not accurate enough with the pistol. So I think that, I think that rifles are a little bit more forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess there's uh so you're talking rifles, you're talking pistols. Um, really a rifle is, you're going to be using that more for, for hunting. I guess you have it for some self-defense, I guess, if you're, you have it in the, in the home. Um, what do you, what do you see typically? Do you have any recollection when you're, you know, you're helping people, training people, talking to people? Um, so what I see most often is that, you know, somebody is going to, when they're leaving their house, they're, you know, going to have a, a, you know, holster on their hip or, you know, a, um, uh, an IWB holster or belly band or something like that, mm-hmm. or even a lady is going to have a purse uh, or, you know, shoulder bag or something. They're going to want to go for a pistol when they lay down at night, they're going to have, you know, a pistol or something, you know, similar on their nightstand. But what I've found is most people, if they have the option, they're going to use that pistol to try and get to a rifle or a shotgun that they have in their house. So the pistol is just a little bit more portable and practical to carry. Right. In terms of sort of uh, self-defense in in your home, is that, um, what would you kind of recommend there? Would you stick with the the pistol? Would you get a, keep a, a rifle closer to the, the bedside if you had a choice or... Um, yes, <laughs> and I say that because, you know, with the, we, we had a house custom built. So we're, we're my family, the end of my, the house that my family sleeps on. If you're trying to access, you know, the, the major access and egress is directly across from where the, you know, the entry and exits are to our bedroom. So at that point, I, I have several different options if we're in a scenario like that. Uh, my kids know that they have options and with not having to worry about collateral damage or, you know, penetrating through a wall and possibly killing one of my kids, my options are wide open. Um, if you start talking about other types and other floor plans of modern homes where, you know, say it's like a two story and all the living rooms are, you know, up on the second story, um, it's a little bit different, but, um, honestly, it's whatever you're most comfortable with you're going to run less of a risk of over penetration and uh, you know, possibly hurting or killing somebody you don't intend to with, you know, a pistol caliber round. Do you have a favorite uh, pistol, I guess a favorite caliber when it comes to, I don't know, um, just kind of keeping, keeping at your side, keeping by your bedside and, and being able to access. So I'm going to answer this question with this one preface. Okay. I really like my latest addition to my collection. Uh, it's a Glock 19 and it's chambered in nine millimeter. So, uh, but I understand I'm saying that from, I have everything from a 22 pistol uh, up to a 45 and I have multiples in every caliber but pretty much because I'm a trainer. I want to be able to start somebody out on a small caliber and work them up to the 940, 45 that people say they want to carry. Cause I have, I have little chicks come to me and they're like, well, my husband said, carry a 45. I'm like, okay, is that what you want to carry? She's like, well, I, you know, honestly, I don't know. So, well, let's shoot these things and figure out what you're comfortable with. And you can go back and tell him, no, I don't need this $2,000 1911. I want this $600 Glock, you know? So it's, it's what the shooter's comfortable with. Okay. So, um, 
So that makes sense, I guess. So, so how does pistol caliber work, I guess? Because I know there's, you know, you got nine millimeter and then there's your forties and your 45. And so how, what, what's, what's out there um, for somebody and what are they, I guess, what do they mean or what does it uh, tell you about your, your weapon? Okay. So you have common calibers that run in size and power and availability depending on where you are in the United States. <clears throat> so you have 17 HMR, you have 22, you have 25 auto, you have 32 auto, um, 380 auto. And then you start going up into your, you know, common calibers like nine millimeter, 40, 45. And that's for most of your, uh, semi-automatic pistols. Now, when you get into revolvers, um, you can nowadays get revolvers in most common semi-automatic calibers so that you're not using two different ammunitions. But when you start considering revolvers, you have a whole nother list of, you know, caliber, you know, revolver calibers that you can, you can choose from. So you have, you know, 38 special 357, um, 44 long Colt, um, you know, just there's, there's tons of options and the bigger the number are as you go up and sizes say from 22 to, you know, 32 or, uh, 32 to 380. Um, the large, what it's, what the number's referring to is, is the diameter of the projectile that's fired from the muzzle of the gun. Okay. So that's that lead point, that round point that you're, you know, shooting out of the barrel. And so all it's referring to is the diameter of that. So obviously the bigger the number, the larger the diameter. But a lot of times people think that the bigger the, the number, the more powerful the bullet. And that's not necessarily the case. It will make a bigger hole, but you have to understand that it's getting there. It takes a lot more to get that, you know, that, that nine or that 45 round downrange and on target than it takes for a nine millimeter to get downrange and on target. So once you, once the bullet arrives, they have different ballistics. They're hydrostatic shock that they deliver once they get there is different. Now you're talking a 45 while it may be moving slower than a nine millimeter still does a lot of damage when it arrives, but your nine is a smaller projectile, but it moves a lot faster. So it's a trade-off and really it comes back to what do you feel comfortable shooting? What recoil can you handle when you pull the trigger? And Something else to think about is round count. So with a big old 45, you can get guns for, you know, guys like me with, you know, larger hands, um, you, uh, a full size double stack 45, you know, and something like a, um, an XDS, I'm sorry, like an XDM or, you know, um, a, a service size pistol, like, a, you know, a, a Glock 19 or something like that. We get a lot more rounds and a smaller caliber. So for a comparable size gun in 45, you're talking 12 or 13 rounds for the same size gun in a nine millimeter, you're getting 15 to 17 rounds. Right. So that's something else to consider. I had not thought of that. It's interesting. Uh, interesting fact to think about something to chew on. All right. So do, do you, um, I don't know, I guess it does, does it matter that much though when you're talking like if your sole purpose for carrying a pistol is self-defense, does it, do those trade-offs make that much of a difference or is it really just a, a comfort thing? Um, it, they can potentially 
make a difference. Now, understand that I've never gotten in a hot conflict with somebody and had to shoot. Um, I've had to unholster and, you know, I guess it's called brandishing, but I've came out of the holster and gave somebody a firm warning, but I've never had to say empty a mag, a 15 round mag of nine millimeter towards somebody. It just, God forbid that ever happens, you know, like you, you don't want it to go there, but yes, everything from the type of bullet you choose, how much you've practiced, how accurate you are, how many rounds you have on, you know, where you carry for self-defense. Because a lot of women say, oh, well, I'm going to keep this semi-automatic pistol in my purse and I'm just going to, you know, pull my purse up and shoot through the bottom of the purse. Well, there's a little bit of a problem with that because the, the purse will a lot of times, and I actually go and get purses from Goodwill and let people practice with this, the gun jams. So the best gun for an environment like that, if a lady's going to keep it in her purse and just shoot through the bottom of a purse or a diaper bag or a shoulder bag is honestly a hammerless revolver because there's not that much that can make that gun malfunction. You know, you start talking about the space that, you know, a semi-automatic pistol needs to operate efficiently and effectively. And you just don't have that in the environment of a purse. So. Gotcha. I, I, again, I didn't, didn't think about that. I guess I I don't carry purses, but um, it's a curious thought. All right. So uh, I switched switching gears a little bit Um, in terms of hunting and stuff for, for, I don't know. Do you, do you do much hunting? We do. Um, and we hunt with everything around here. Um, if it's predator control, I don't mind using a pistol. If, you know, we have a snake or something we need to dispatch, you know, pistols fine. Uh, we, we hunt varmint. So we hunt anything as small as a squirrel up to things, you know, like white tailed deer. And I have been known to hunt with everything from a 22 on up to, you know, a, a 243 or 30-06 bolt action rifle. Okay. Good deal. Yeah. I, I, I learned on a 20 that I still have it. I, I love that gun. There's something, I don't know what it is about it. It just kind of, you know, they just pop right off and it's fun squirrels. But, uh, <laughs> all right. So if, if, um, if somebody's thinking about picking themselves up a, a pistol or a rifle or something like that, where would you, where would you start? Okay. So I would recommend finding a nice modern, um, retail location. Uh, something, if you can find a nice gun range and a lot of times these places are going to be indoor ranges, but if you can find a nice gun range with a wide selection, you know, they're usually going to have a retail space. They're going to have a wide selection of guns that you can rent. And normally you can rent guns for, uh, man, as I've seen as low as 10 bucks and up to, you know, 25 or 30 and the 25, 25 or 30 allows you to pick you know, three or four different models, try them and shoot them. I recommend doing something like that or talking to somebody, you know, who is into the sport and, you know, saying, Hey, if I buy ammunition, maybe buy you some beer or compensate you for your time, will you take me out? Because what, you know, I deal, honestly, what you're asking here is, you know, for me, if I take a dozen pistols out, I'm going through probably five or six different types of ammunition. And then I have to clean all those pistols when I get done. Right. So maybe buying beer and compensating somebody for their time is not the, you know, people are like, wait, what? If I'm going to ask my friend, well, understand how much work you're creating <laughs> by doing that. But right. honestly, if you know somebody that's in the sport, somebody has a pretty decent collection of pistols, ask them what they carry. You ask them what they, you know, what they like to shoot. Hey, do you mind if I shoot a few? Most people that are in this space and, you know, that are gun enthusiasts love, love sharing the sport, the experience with somebody new. 
uh, there's nothing I like to do more than to re- recruit somebody to my favorite sport and my lifestyle. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice when people have questions that you can can answer, and I, I can't answer a lot, but uh, you know, it is it's it's enjoyable, and you know, I've kind of helped out a few a little bit here and there, um, sharing some, and it's it's good. But so, do you do you go online to to buy? your guns sometimes or do you get them mostly from uh like your local shops um so i I have i have purchased online um i like to i have a good friend who's a veteran who owns a gun shop here in my my small town um i like to uh give him as much business as i can obviously you know um small businesses are the lifeblood of our you know our country um but i have ordered um, by mail or I have ordered from like a major manufacturer off the internet, stuff like that. When you go through that process and you're going to buy something remotely, say off of gun tra- you know, gun broker, or you're going to buy from a manufacturer or something like that, you have to have, or have to, you know, have the address and information for somebody in your area who has an FFL. So nobody is going to mail you a gun directly, <laughs> legally, <laughs> legally, let me yeah. say that. <laughs> right. So, um, while like, so here in Texas, private party sells, I can sell to another private party without ever having to go to another gun shop, to, you know, any of that stuff. Now you're supposed to register and do the transfer and everything, but you know, I don't have to go through that. So if you buy off the internet, you, nobody is going to send you a gun. They have to mail it from them to another FFL. So if you have your eye on something, I would go talk to a local gun shop or a pawn shop or, you know, and it just find somebody with an FFL and say, Hey, I need your information or here's the information for the person I am purchasing this from. Can you please get in contact with them? give them your information so that I can pay for this and have it shipped to you and then come pick it up from you, do my registration and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I, I went that route for uh, I had a 30 out six a few years back and that was, that was the route I had to go. And it was a little bit of a hassle trying to uh, figure it all out and get, get all the paperwork in order. And um, my, my family's up in New York and, um, I tried to get on my brother to, to get himself a, a pistol license. And some of the, the hoops he had to go through was like, you know, you had to have three, three like references or something of, of people that, you know, live in that County. And it's just, it was insane. The amount of stuff that you had to do. And so it was almost like impossible, um, you know? And so, but, uh, all right. So here in Texas for us to get a license, it's a four to six hour course. Um, you have a written exam, on the course material we cover in the, you know, the four to six hours we're covering all the, you know, the laws and regulations and all that stuff. So you have that, you have the, you know, the class, you have the the test, and then we do a live fire qualification and I have to give my endorsement on both of those. So not only that, if I have somebody who I think is a risk, I'm giving my endorsement to, I can recall my endorsement just by contacting you know, the state, you know, state police or whatever and saying, Hey, here's my number. I authorized this application or, you know, this, um, this certificate, this person kind of, you know, started acting crazy after I signed the paperwork. I, you know, I want to, you know, withdraw my endorsement or whatever, but we have, we don't have to have references. We don't have to have, you know, they, they ask for a background check, fingerprints, um, 
five years of employment and residence and all that stuff. But I, I've heard of, you know, California, New York, where people are going waiting over a year to get their license and the local sheriff or whatever won't even call them back. Yeah. It's, uh, it's nuts. I, I left, I, I miss it, but, um, only because that's where I spent the first 30 years of my life. Um, but, uh, so I'm curious, I know there's lots of different, um, gun groups, gun organizations out there. Um, and, you know, usually people think of the NRA. Um, but I think when you kind of dig into it, some of them are a little more gun friendly than, than other ones. Do you have any recommendations of, of, uh, I don't know, gun right groups that you, uh, would suggest people um, look into? I mean, I'm, I'm an NRA nationally registered NRA instructor. So, you know, NRA is one of the biggest, um, but honestly, I, I hate recommending a major organization because <laughs> a lot of the times when you're dealing with a major organization, your politics, yep. you align pretty damn closely with theirs. Otherwise you're an outcast. So honestly, I'm going to say there's, there's the NRA, there's gun owners, owners of America, there's, there's tons of them and those are national there's state organizations like here in texas we have the texas rifle association and it is just in texas you know so, so look what, look local what, i guess you know, yeah i would say look local i mean there's nothing wrong with you know joining a national um a national organization but like i said the you know the more i go down my path of liberty the less my views align with major mainstream organizations. So it's like, yeah, well, I agree with you on 60% of what you, what you say, this other 40% of shit you're saying is crazy, you know? Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, no, totally. It's, it's, uh, whenever you get those big, big groups of, of anything, you know, you, you can't align with it all. Um, it's not going to happen. So you gotta look smaller, look smaller, but, um, all right, man. Um, I appreciate your time. Tell me, tell us a little bit about, uh, the IKC there. Okay. So, um, insurgency knitting circle, uh, is me and three other guys. Uh, we founded it, I think in 20, late 2016, early 2017. Um, we have, like I said, four hosts, uh, four different walks of life, uh, four different professional backgrounds. Uh, we talk about everything. Um, it is a, I guess of what you, what would be called a variety show. Um, we talk about everything from homesteading, animal husbandry, making alcohol, fixing cars, uh, self-sufficiency, um, you know, cooking, uh, just everything, guns, tactics, gear, just anything you can possibly think of. It's all those, those life skills. I wish I learned in, in high school and college. I think I don't know how to dial in what it is that you guys like concisely. I can't do it. So if somebody has a question or, you know, or, you know, wants to, you know, get a primer discussion on something like that, all they have to do is, you know, reach out to us. Um, we have a Instagram, we have, um, a Twitter, we have the, uh, the handle on, um, or the server on discord. Um, we have a website, just Google us insurgency knitting circle. Um, but if anybody wants to learn anything specifically or, you know, hear me talk about or hear one of us talk about anything, all they have to do is, you know, shoot us a, uh, a little snippet and ask. 
Cool. Cool. I'll put all those links in the, in the show notes, of course, so you guys can jump right over there and, and give it a listen. I, I recommend it. It's, um, it's got lots of valuable information there. So, and, uh, I don't know anything else, any, any last thoughts about people getting into to firearms or, um, if you're a, if you're a complete novice and you're just now getting into it, I would definitely contact a trainer, a professional trainer. Uh, most gun shops will have people either on staff or have contacts with people locally who can train you. Spend the time, get some good, solid foundational training. And you will not be, you you won't regret it. Good deal. And I gotta say, you know, it's one of those things like the first time you walk in, you know, it's like the first time you, you walk into a bar by yourself when you're, you're like 20 years old, you know, it's, uh, it can be intimidating sometimes when you're not familiar with things. And, Absolutely. you know, with my experience, everybody I've ever met in a, in a gun shop has been more, more than helpful. Um, you know, and yeah, so don't, absolutely. don't be afraid to ask those questions and, and do all that stuff. Yeah. And if you, if you guys, if you have the chance, try and shop local. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, you have a, a good day. All right, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Bye, guys. Thanks, bro. about firearms um they said at the end you know um go to your local gun shop um ask questions don't be afraid you know it could be intimidating it really can be um but don't be afraid you know nobody's nobody's gonna call you names and make you feel bad and if they do it's an adult calling you names and that that should be all you really need to know about that person not to feel bad about what they're saying so yeah, folks, it's it's New Year's Eve, so I won't keep you long. I'm going to go sip on some homemade eggnog. It's delicious, and it's in the freezer waiting, getting nice and chilly. Got a little little licorice root in there, some cardamom, and it is delicious. Oh, I, I, I'm telling you, it's, it's wonderful. It is wonderful. Anyway, guys, you have a wonderful New Year. Um, I appreciate you all for hanging out, sticking with me, helping this thing to grow. Let's keep it, keep it growing in 2020. Help me out by sharing it on your social media. Um, you can even go to, go to patreon.com slash the Liberty Hippie and uh, support the show. That way I can send you some seeds, some stickers, got some merchandise, uh, things like that. And um, y'all get out there, have a, a wonderful, safe holiday. You're out there talking up your neighbors, talking up your friends, watching the ball come down and well, I wish it would shatter. Wouldn't it be cool if it shattered? Imagine the ball just shrapnel and glass everywhere. Anyway, guys, get out there and um, remind those people that you're you're out talking it up with tonight. Remind them to get out there, sow those seeds of liberty, so we can all reap sheaves of freedom together.